What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. You know, guys, it's UFC 297 Fight Week, and coming up later in the show, I want to discuss the main event and what would happen if Sean Strickland loses to Drikas Duplessis. Plus, could Michael Chandler be Conor McGregor's final opponent? And there's a guy named Ankalaev, and he's called out a guy named Payera. Let's take a look if that call-out was worth it. Guys, we got a lot to get to in today's show, but I want to begin with the story I was telling you all about last week. Coach Javier Mendez came out and responded to us. So, I told you that a week ago, Coach Mendez said... Khabib is training with me. Khabib only trains with me when he's got a fight. That's all I know. Now, that's an exact quote. And that's exactly the way that I quoted him a week ago when I made the piece. Now, here, here's where we got lost in translation. I read that quote. I didn't see the video. I didn't hear the audio of when Coach Javier Mendez did that. I read the quote. And the words that I just gave you are, in order, the exact quote. Khabib is training with me. Khabib only trains with me when he has a fight coming up. That is all I know. End quote. Now, makes me think UFC 300, right? Something for sure is going on at 170 pounds. There is a reason Blah Muhammad has not been confirmed as Leon's next opponent. Now, if Blahal, who is clearly the right guy, if Blahal ends up with that fight, that doesn't change the statement I just made. It just means whatever, whatever the whatever is, didn't come through. And that could be behind the scenes. That could be a licensing issue within Nevada. That could be with this new testing policy. That could be they tried it and it just didn't work, right? In terms of the training or weight cut or whatever part of this is going on with the training preparation. But there is for sure something that the UFC liked that is a potential for a championship match at 170 pounds. Does that tie into 300? Not necessarily, by the way. But everything else that I said is true. And that's where the uh, idea of Khabib would come in. Dana has promised us that it's a super fight, that it dropped in his lap, that our jaws are going to drop. Now, I believe that it has to do with 170 pounds. If Dana's statement of super fight and our jaws are going to drop as far as a feature match at 300, if that does not have anything to do with welterweight, welterweight, the story I'm telling you is true. There's some kind of an offer that they like better than they like Blahal. Both of those things could be true. I'm the one that's connecting them. If I'm right on that, if I'm right to connect those two, which quite frankly I'm doing because Errol Hawani has posted the card for UFC 300 and he's put Leon on the card versus Blahal, and then in quotations, that's a rumored bout. So I'm just operating on the idea that it's 170 pounds. But if that's true and it's to be a super fight, it's very tough to put Blahal in at 300 in a feature match now. Because you had that opportunity three different times and said not necessarily. So it's just a hard thing to come back and tell the audience, yes, we're doing it and this is the one. Ta-da! It's very hard. So, you'd have a co-main event at best, which still leaves you with what is your main event. So, this is where we come to the idea that it could be Khabib returning. 
Khabib returning to take on Leon would be a super fight. It would be a wow moment. It is not George St. Pierre returning for his crown. Now, nor would it ever be. First off, George isn't coming back. If he did come back, he doesn't come for the little guy belt. He comes, he had the other belt too, right? He had the 85 pound belt. That's the one that he would return for, just so you understand. So, Coach Mendez cleared this up and he did it in a video. And he didn't call me out, which was very nice of him. He didn't call me out, but he said, I need to respond to a rumor that's going around or a misunderstanding that's going around. That all came from me. And this time he said it. Now, my words were exactly correct. So what's the difference? What was the meaning? Well, for context, what Coach Javier was speaking about is that, yes, he is, in fact, training with Khabib. He is putting Khabib through workouts. And what he was speaking about is that he and Khabib as athlete coach are kind of learning how to work together now that they're doing it in the spirit of extracurricular activity as opposed to training for a fight. Because the only time Khabib trains with me is when he was training for a fight. So he cleared that up. And I fully accept it. I fully accept it. A lot of people had pushed back and thought that was the swerve. Somebody got to Coach Mendez. Somebody told him, zip it. But that isn't what happened. Not to mention, Coach Javier Mendez doesn't listen to somebody, right? Most people do. He's not going to play that game. And I can't come off it. I mean, I just can't come off what would it be for 300 I don't feel that bull statements can be true. Can we put together a really good card for 300? Yeah, you bet. Is that card done? No, of course not. No, it's not done. We know that Strickland and Duplisi got forced to the market. We, we know that that was a, an absolute rush for some reason. We also know that the court case with, with Izzy and getting that wrapped up was a rush for a reason, and that reason was to get Izzy into the country of Canada for a potential promo slash face-off this Saturday. We don't know that that ties into 300. We just assume that it does. And it also would not fit the bill of what Dana has promised, which is something fell into my lap. I have a super fight, and your jaws are going to hit the floor. Izzy returning, Izzy versus Strickland, Izzy versus Duplete. This is all really great stuff, but there's no surprise there. It was the king of the division that's now coming back. Okay, great match. It just doesn't fall into this fell into my lap. It didn't fall into your lap at all. You're still working on it. And you're left with Leon and Blahal. And there's a swerve in there somewhere. So I do feel we're looking in the right direction. I do feel 170 pounds is the right direction. But it would just leave you with Islam. The competition that Blahal Muhammad was up against was never Rachmanov. That was all done. That, our community did that. That never came from the second floor of the UFC. The competition that Blahal was up against was a call out by the 55-pound champ, Islam. But the denial of Blahal Muhammad for the opportunity to take on Leon came immediately after the fight. Don't forget that. See, that timeline is so important. The day prior to the fight, it was going to be Blahal. 
That's why he was the backup fighter and weighed in the day prior to the fight, immediately following the fight at the press conference. That's when it gets revealed to us. That was a drop-the-jaw moment. We all are jaws drop. Blahal's here. Blahal's building up. Blahal's backstage right now doing the media tour, which only goes to the number one contender. That's the only person that gets invited backstage and moves around the step and repeats. So when it was revealed to us that it wasn't Blahal, that was the drop the jaw moment. And the reason I'm telling you that time frame is because it would have already been decided at fight time. And at fight time, Islam Makhlchev was in the audience. That's when they could have faced him off. That's when they could have thrown a camera to him. They could have just purely spun the camera around and put it on him. No difference than they did with Jamal Hill at Madison Square Garden a month or so ago. But they didn't do it. Which lends you to believe it's not Islam. It is 170. It is an opponent for Leon. These are the clues. We, we haven't even been told this much. These are the clues we're guessing. But I am starting to believe, if it in fact is not Khabib, and it looks like it's not, both things can't be true. We can't have something that fell on our lap and we don't get a jaw-dropping moment. And the huge fight. I just don't think they can both be true. You can get great fights. You can have some fun fights. Izzy and whatever he's doing in Canada. I mean, these things all make sense. These things are all wonderful and need to happen or important for our industry. But they didn't fall in lap jaw drop moments. Both of those things cannot be true. Or we're missing some. So what is your guys' suggestion? What's your thought? Leave me a comment below. Tell me what it is you think we're potentially missing. That's a, that's a handful right there, man. Uncle Liam's a handful. And if you want to really be impressed, go and look up his, his record, his actual fight record. There's two different records that come out, by the way. And, and sometimes there's up to three, particularly for the guys coming out of Russia. And their real record is so wildly more impressive than what comes out as their official record. I mean, any, any time in the fight game that you've ever heard that somebody's got two records, it, they're pulling a ruse, right? They're lying. They're lying and they're embellishing. No, man, Uncle Live's doing the opposite. The record that is his official record, and it's a beautiful one, by the way. I, wanna, I believe he's lost one fight. One fight, one draw, and one no contest. Is that what he had on the... The Walker fight, Paul Craig's the only one to beat him. Am I right about that? I mean, this is off the top of my head, but I'm very good at this. No, his record's way better than that. Way better. He's got wins over, over Vitaly. He's got wins over Moldovsky. They, they have an entire circuit in Russia where they call it amateur. And sometimes they even call it a different sport. Like they'll call it pancration. Pancration is mixed martial arts or vice versa, but Pancration was here first. Like what, what you watch and you call mixed martial arts, which is nothing more than verbiage that was used to pass a bill through the Nevada state legislature in 2001. I mean, I'll hear people, they used to come down on me and tell me I wasn't respectful. I should, I should bow and I should be more respectful because this is martial arts. They didn't, they didn't actually know that term Mixed martial arts, that's not real, that's not a sport, that's not what we're doing, that, that's, that's verbiage created to pass a law in Nevada in 2001. 
So I don't mind it. I can live with it. I'm just sharing for you. The sport of pancreation is what is now called mixed martial arts. So when you have these guys in Russia that are doing pancreation, but then mixed martial arts guys don't count it on their record. Here's my point. Ankalaev is awesome. But Ankalaev has now called out Alex Pajera. Glover Teixeira has accepted the fight. Glover went, complimented Uncle Lai on his performance and said, we will see you next. Glover, of course, being the trainer, and in this case, spokesman for Piera. Now, Uncle Lai has an argument to that fight. And 205, there, there's a few moving parts and none of them are good. Right? The, the previous three champions all gave their belt back. Previous three champions had all lost their belt. Not through competition. Like, that's something that you hear of once in the history of the entire division. Like, that's a game that could come up in MMA Jeopardy amongst your friends, because it's a trick question. This happened three times in a row. Prohaska with the imaginary shoulder story. Hill. Jamal Hill. Heard his Achilles, gave the belt back. Prior to that, John Jones. Need some more picograms, got to step away to go up to heavyweight. They all gave their belt back, three of them in a row. So it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting division. With, with that in mind, yes, very much. Very much so, you could have Pejara versus Uncle Live. You could have a fight that doesn't draw and it doesn't sell very well. But it draws and it sells just as well as anything else. And if you're in any kind of a hurry to get them to the marketplace, I just predict for you they're not in a hurry. I predict for you that they're not trying to rush this. I predict for you that being, what would you call Uncle Lyav right now in his last two? Would you call it one and one? I I don't know what to call it. Out of two matches, he won one of them. And if I was to run it back, what was was his match he had before that? What was that, the draw with, Blahovitz, has he been out that long? And you better hope that it was, because if you tell me it wasn't and, and he had a win and somewhere in there, and I can't even remember that it happened, now, now we're, get, we're getting into an even worse spot. So, Uncle Iav comes out with a deal. And the deal is, I'm going to make the same deal with you, Alex Pera, that I made with Johnny Walker, which is only stand-up. I'll never take you to the ground. I'm great on my feet, as Johnny just found out. I hit harder than Israel Adesanya. And we're going to fight on your feet. So, is that helpful or is that problematic? Because the the one thing that you need if you do a call out is you need a response from the person you called out. Like, like there's an order... From the time you call somebody out to the time you're actually in the ring fighting them, there's an order of events. First on that list is you must get a response. It can be anything. It can it can be no, but it has to be a response. Well, it appears that he got one, right? Like Uncle Live does appear to be going down the right path. He got a response. No, he got it from Glover. So... Does it sound good to you? Does it sound good to you? You're sweetening the pot. 
You're sweetening the pot. You're telling somebody, have no fear. We're going we're gonna to do it in your realm. We're going to stand. We're going to fight in your realm. You're sweetening the pot. That's how it feels on your side of the table. But now just imagine you were on the other side. So imagine you have a guy that wants to fight. You don't agree to the fight. You could have agreed to the fight yesterday. You could have agreed a week ago. You could have agreed to a month ago. It's not as though Uncle Live's any better today than he was then. So what would change now? Well, what's changed now is you said that you won't go any groundwork. You'll only go stand-up. Do you think that Piera's going to want to do that? I mean, you don't understand where that, 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 that is embarrassing for him? Do you not understand where that would demote and demoralize him? Imagine you show up to a fight. Three o'clock, right after school. One guy, go. he he agreed he's going to tie his arm behind his back. Now, you know he doesn't have to. There's nothing to make him do it. If I show up and he doesn't do that, i got to fight this guy with two arms. But he said that he would do it. And he has done it once before. So I'm going to show up. The arm's not tied behind his back. What do I do then? Do I say, wait a minute, you said you'd tie your arm. Do I do that in front of the world? Do I let the world know that I heard that and I've only accepted it because you said you were going to do that? Do I do that? It puts me in a very difficult position because we're not fighting for a stand-up title. So which do you think would be better for promotion, right? If you like it and he did a great job, then you will not like the adverse of it, right? There's only two sides to a coin. So let's look at those two sides. Which do you think is better for Uncle Liev? Hey, Alex Piera, I'll fight you. I'm next. The rankings say I'm next. I say I'm next. Your coach said that I'm next. I'm only going to stand up with you. I'm going to test your chin and you're free to test mine. I will never take you to the ground. We're going to fight for the Mixed Martial Arts Championship, but we're going to do it purely in stand-up. Sign here. Not bad. Not bad. But the adverse side of that coin would be, hey, Alex Piera. You can only fight stand-up. I've seen you on the ground, and it sucks. This isn't a kickboxing championship. You got a belt that says you're the mixed rules champion. I am the master of mixed rules, and when this fight starts, I'm going to hit you in the mouth. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to show you a whole other dimension, and I'm going to expose you for the fraud that you are, which is nothing more than a glorified kickboxer that's never beat a meaningful grappler. Grappling rules the octagon today, the same as it did in 93. I'm going to take that belt. I'm going to hit you over the head with it. That would be the adverse. Which one sounds more like a fight promotion to you? Have you ever wanted to learn a new language, but you didn't feel like you had the time or even the energy to invest? Maybe you took some classes in high school or college, but you haven't practiced in years. Or maybe you just want to impress your girlfriend's parents by learning their native language. Rosetta Stone has you covered. They have been the expert in language learning for 30 years and have been used by millions of people. You can download the app onto your phone or your tablet so you can learn on the go. I know many of you did not have the time to take a class or read through a book. Rosetta Stone has made learning convenient and effective through their immersive learning approach. What do I mean by immersive? Well, it's the same thing as if you watch MMA fights on TV, but you never get into the gym. Getting into the gym and taking kickboxing or jiu-jitsu classes helps you to understand the sport and become one with it. 
Rosetta Stone's lessons are designed for long-term retention of language skills rather than short-term memorization. The focus of the program is preparing you for real, authentic conversations, not just knowing a couple of translations. It's like having your own personal trainer or language learning. You can take Rosetta Stone with you under the treadmill in your daily commute or even start the day while you're getting ready for work with just 10 minutes a lesson. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started and for a very limited time. My listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's all you have to do. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. That's a steal. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So there was a press conference. I just got done watching it. It was with uh, uh, Joshua. It was with Francis. And Eddie Hearn was kind of the, the ringleader of this circus. And it was very short. I want to tell you it was 15 minutes, but, but I won't do that because nothing is only 15 minutes. You know, it has to be closer to 30. It felt like 15. But... The big hook for their, for their match is that they are going to fight and the winner is likely to fight for the undisputed title, which at that time will be held by the winner of Usyk and Fury. And you've, just, you've got a number of problems, right? You've got a number of problems right out of the gate. First off, that's not the world's worst hook, but it's not a very good one, right? Like to try to sell a championship is, is very, very different and much less historically successful than selling an opponent. 
Now, the fight between all of them that people would like to see, of course, is the Francis versus Fury rematch. But it doesn't really matter if Fury wins this next fight or if Francis wins or if one wins and one doesn't. That, that's the match people would like to see. Then Joshua has ducked Fury for I don't even know how many years. So there are people that would like to see him forced into that. Not from a competitive standpoint, do people want to see that fight? Just from a, we're tired of this guy being a prima donna, get him in their standpoint. And that's not bad. It's just not what you're promised. You're not promised a match that you want to see. You're promised a title. So whoever has the title is where you go. Oh, and on top of that, there was no promise made. Likely. Likely was the strongest word that was used. So now you don't have much. And why am I using this voice, by the way? I'm attempting to demonstrate the energy that was at the table of the press conference. Now, this is between Joshua, Francis, and Eddie Hearn himself. This, this was the highest tone anybody got to. And this was the highest energy. And it's why the press conference was so incredibly short. You got a director off screen giving Eddie the sign. Rap. Just rap. You've burned us, and each minute you're up there makes it worse. It gives people like Chael an opportunity to pan us. Get off the stage. Could, but could you imagine? So you saw the backdrop. You saw the step and repeat. Like the production company that they have hired to do these events is top notch. I mean, I cannot even tell you how impressed I have been with the production team that not only showed you this press conference, but that brought you, and I'll go back to the fight because I was one of the 20 people that ordered it, Francis Ngannou versus Fury. From a production standpoint of live sport, where there's no rehearsals and there's no redos, you got to get it right now. Those guys were awesome. They truly were. So you guys just got this beautiful production, is what I'm trying to tell you. Those things come with, with a very high paycheck. And to get 30 minutes or less of content because your principles are so dull, I would imagine is very frustrating. And the, the whole thing is set, which removed any responsibility or incentive from the three principles, Eddie, Joshua, Francis. It removed any incentive they may have to go out there and do a good job. When you've just got this open checkbook, and Eddie knew that. E Eddie's laughing. Eddie's behind closed doors laughing at the deal that he's got. In that 15 to 30 minute press conference, Eddie spent half of the time talking about other fights, other fights that he actually has a responsibility and an incentive to promote. He used somebody else's money, somebody else's cameras, Somebody else writing the check for a press conference. And he promoted other fights that that person has nothing to do with. I mean, I'm just sharing with you. It's, it's laughable. And when these two go in box, and I have the foggiest idea when they're boxing. And like all of you, I don't have the foggiest idea how to watch it. I'll ask somebody the day of. I'll find out. I'll be there. I'm one of the ones that will be there if it's at 11 a.m. or 5 a.m. or whatever time this is. And wherever it is, I will be there. But I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you guys 
what date they're boxing. I can't tell you if that's a Saturday or a Sunday. I can't tell you how to find it because they didn't tell us. The live stream of this press conference is a fraction of what I'm doing right now. And in recapping that and attempting to hype and build something that likely draws you not into a match you want to see, but into a title that you don't care about. And I can't even guarantee you that, by the way, but it's likely. I don't know the date. I don't know the distribution partner. I don't know what time it comes on. That's not my my fault. I I was there to learn those things. I was there to watch those things. I don't know. But I do know we had a press conference where three guys that are not incentivized, that have no motivation whatsoever. Anthony Joshua is so disrespectful to this event that he showed up in disguise. Anthony Joshua pulled a, a beanie, pulled a stocking hat, over his face. Like like in the movies when guys get ready to go rob something, they have, they have one of these hats so they can't be recognized. He showed up in disguise. And if I'm to be real fair with you, it did not look like him. I'm not I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists that I'm just sharing with you that did not look like him and it didn't sound like him. I'm very confident it was him, but I can't guarantee you. It, it was that weird. And he didn't want to hear it either. He he was so bored at what he was hearing and so bored at what he was saying, he had the the headphones in. Did you guys notice that? Now, I, I assume I'm helping him right now because I do assume that he has some level of sponsorship and he, he was just showing the headphone. I, I truly do assume that. But it was the most disrespectful thing I have ever seen at a press conference that he didn't pay for and that his promoter, Eddie Hearn, didn't pay for. They got somebody else to write the check. Joshua shows up in disguise with an earpiece. He, he, he didn't want you to see anything and he didn't want to hear anything. And frankly, he won, because there was nothing to see, and I have no idea what they discussed. So you're bringing Izzy in. All right. And you're keeping that bone nickel, right? You're keeping that piece shined up. And I just personally don't know the complete plan with Bo. And in all fairness, I don't know the complete plan with anybody. What I mean is where I'm confident with it, where I can look at it, I can study, go, Chael, you got this one. You got this all figured out. I'm not sure. Like doing squash matches is just really rare in MMA. We, we could count on one hand easily in the modern era, how many guys have been put in a position to do squash matches. So if you're doing a squash match, why are you doing it? Well, it's that old rule because we're building a guy up. Well, not not necessarily. If you're putting a guy buried on an undercard, right? If you're giving him a squash match to build him up, but you're putting him in a placement that nobody's going to see. I mean, it's, it's one of these things that it's it's hard to know. It's hard to judge. Okay, is this the next guy? And Dana White has never been scared to say when it is. I mean, Conor McGregor's career looked like a fine wine because Dana openly said it was the first guy Dana ever did it about. First guy Dana openly told me, hey, I'm building this guy. Yeah, big announcements, big fights, lots of attention. I'm not going to give him a suit, just so you know right now. Like, you can tease me when that's done, or you can tease him, or you can try to pull the whole thing down. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to build him slowly. reason I said it was like a fine wine is along that build, there was a very easy fight with a kid from a place called Lafayette. 
apparently is in Louisiana and he likes hot sauce and his name was Dustin Poirier. How you like that for an easy fight? There was another easy fight, an even easier, with the youngest guy in the entire organization at that time, who I believe was 1-0 or 1-1. That was an undercard fight. It was so easy. His name is Max Holloway. So, I mean, it was one of these deals where build a guy, build a guy doesn't work. They're all killers. And it's just one of those situations that I'm sharing with you. When we look at 185 pounds, there's a lot of confusion there. You got one guy that wants to fight. Right now, anybody, his name's Marvin Vittori. It's the only guy. You got a great fighter named Jared Cannon here. He just doesn't, he doesn't tell any. He doesn't tell anybody he's fighting. He just does. He's just not equipped with that. He's handsome. He's charismatic. I met Jared Cannon. I got to tell you, I enjoy. I could not have enjoyed him more. And you turn the cameras on, and it came through on camera. I was go why go in front of cameras more? Like he, he's very good at it. But that's not a guy you can put into title fights because title fights go into main events. That's not a guy you can main event. So you you start to run into some of these positions of well, who's going to be next? Izzy comes out, he puts out a piece and says, uh, yeah, I am coming back, and 2027 is off the table. I'm going to return to the gym March 1st. I think he worded it the, the end of next month, the end of February. Great, I'm going to call it March 1st. If that's true, if we're getting good, accurate information, and I believe that we are, right? I don't think he could keep that a secret if he was in the gym right now training looking good. Telephone, telegraph, telefighter. You know that word, hey, have you heard, have you heard, have you heard? Hey, Izzy just said that he's not training. Yes, he is. I've got a photo of him. Don't tell anybody I said it, but I saw him sparring yesterday. I mean, that's how that would work. So I'm forced to take him at his word, which removes him from 300, which the entire reason that Strickland and Duplessis got forced to the market in Ontario, of all places, is to feed into Izzy for 300. So I'm here to ask you a different question. Here to ask you a different question. If Sean Strickland loses, what are the chances he gets a rematch? And it starts to look so obvious that the plan is Izzy. And maybe the plan has nothing to do with 300, but it is Izzy. Okay, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. We're, we're close. We've got, to, we've got to hold of the right tool, even if by the wrong end. And then we've always got the Chemayev option, and we're shining other guys up. And certainly, if Paulo Costa was to get over to, on Whitaker and could fight a normal schedule, right? If, if Paulo cannot get a normal, which is three times a year, if he can't do that, it, do, it doesn't matter what he's ranked. He, he won't get the opportunity either. He, he and Cannonier will be the same spot. So the one thing that gets left out, though, is what happens in that immediate moment. And it's not as though we have to go back Right? It's not as though we, we, we got to get a Toyota Celica up to 88.8 miles an hour. Was it the Celica, was it? What was that? Back to the Future. You can see I watched Back to the Future recently. The DeLorean. The DeLorean. Thank you. My partner, Ryan, comes in over the top. Yes, of course it was Toyota Celica. What? DeLorean. But we don't have to do that. We can just look at present time. Dricus Duplisi was named the number one contender. Sean Strickland beat Adesanya. They tried to rematch Sean Strickland and Adesanya. And everybody understood why. It was the one thing that we didn't see. Right? When you tell Duplisi you're next, the one thing you don't see is the one thing you would never consider a six to one underdog going into hometown, taking it on short notice. 
who's also a kickboxer, who, by the way, has a common opponent and got knocked out by the guy you've knocked out. I mean, it was, it was one of these things. You never saw it coming. Strickland had it all, man. He had the controversy, he had the crocodile Dundee, he had the look, he had the energy, he had the tears at the end. It was this incredible moment, man. It's incredible what Sean Strickland did and the way that he did. So you rematch it. You rematch it and nobody questions it. You rematch it to the fact that you know Duplessis is going to have to fight somebody else. Nobody can wait that long. That's a prize fighter. To the point that you're so confident in all of that, you just hold another number one contenders match in the same weight class between Kamara Usman and Cosmo Chimaev. I mean, right, I'm just telling you guys, this is the, the timeline, though. It's a fascinating thing. And it's the one thing that needs to be considered. The must-see fight right now. The must-see fight that's signed right now is Strickland versus Duplessis. And that is the one that came in to press time with the least steam. There was nobody anywhere talking about Sean Strickland versus Duplessis. When Duplessis got his golden ticket rescinded, and Cosmo Chamayev rose up, and Kamara Uzma was going to be one of those two. He never saw that fight and said, hey, man, forget about all this. I already got the ticket. Take me down to the chocolate factory. It just didn't work that way. I mean, when I tell you nobody did, that was including the principals here, including their coaches, including their trainers and managers. No one talked about this fight. And now it is the number one fight that you want to see that's signed. There is no supporting cast. I do this for a living. I cannot tell you anyone else on the card. I'm not attempting to be funny, by the way. If I saw the card right now, I would know all the names. I'm just sharing with you. I, I don't have a memory. I, I don't know who's on the card. I don't know. There's been no build. There's been no reason I would know. There's been no billboards. There's been no marquees. There's been no headlines. There's been no countdown shows. There's been nothing. There's just these two. Do you know how rare that is? Now, you might think I just insulted the card the other fights. No, not at all. It's a very rare time in this sport. Our sport didn't have the confidence that it could do that. The way we ended up with five feature matches, just so you understand, it wasn't to have a greater marketing tool than boxing. It was never done for that. As we looked at it and said, we don't have what boxing has. Some people say we have as small as a 20th of what boxing has. Well, if we have a 20th and times it by five, that was the math, just so you know how we got there. So when you have an MMA card, this is so big, it's just main event. That's just not what we do. Speaks to a massive fight. That's what I'm saying. So now imagine that there's controversy. Now imagine there's a surprise. Strickland is officially the favorite. He went from a two to one dog over at DraftKings. He's now the favorite, officially. I mean, it, it, it's close and it's tight. And I, I thought it was one of these was going to bounce back and forth. It, it hasn't. He took the lead and, got real, and he kept the lead. And, he got, and it got real close and he kept the lead. I mean, it got all the way down to, to plus 115 to negative 105. I mean, that is as close to even money as a person could speak. John Anik, Ian Parker, would back me up and tell you that's as close to even money as our sport's going to have, right? So what would happen between those two if there was controversy? What would happen if there was an upset? What happened if Sean lost? The way that these two, and I hope you understand the timeline for me telling you nobody wanted to see that fight, to it's the most sought-after fight. I, I hope you understood the point that I was getting at, which is they got there with a press conference. Nobody wanted to see the press conference. 
These press conferences were such an abysmal disappointment because Ian Gary didn't show up. I mean, do you guys remember this? No one anywhere was talking about, let's get Duplessis and Strickland on the stage. It was very serendipitous. And it made for an amazing moment. And then you have Strickland telling the kids, coming over the top rope, right? I mean, there, were, there was just things that happened. And they did them like that. And you do have a couple of consonants here. You do. If you go look at the divisible in these equations of great marketing, it doesn't seem to matter who Strickland has. He makes it work. He's a main event guy. And here we are, three for three, at a Duplessis. And he only stepped in the ring once. Duplessis made you want to see him and Whitaker. And he made you want to see him and Izzy. And he has made you want to see him and Strickland. Duplessis has something. That's just the truth. He's just got something. So what's going to happen when these guys actually fist fight? And then both take a microphone after. What does that fight have to look like? What do those interviews need to sound like? What needs to happen for the whole world to go, stop, rematch them. Izzy, thank you for coming. Stay where you are. Rematch them. What would need to happen? And I'll answer it in short. You want to know what needs to happen? Not much. It's very possible. Guys, DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is going to take your excitement north of the border. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Visit DraftKings Sportsbook right now for this week's fights, lines, and odds. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. New customers bet just $5 on any fight at UFC 297. You're going to get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code CHAIL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas, 21 plus age, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash MMA for eligibility, deposit, and restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It does not matter who you are. There's no exception. There's no exception. You will never be done with this sport. You'll wake up one day and the sport's done with you. Hollywood is that way. Like, some of your favorite actors, they get a little older or something, maybe they slow down. Or, and they'll do an interview. I just haven't seen a script that I like. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of thinking about raising my kids. I've been spending some time with my church and family. No, man, they can't get a job. They can't get hired. And that is, that is most definitely uh, one of the, the bigger and broader examples that you're never done with the business, but you will wake up one day and the business is done with you. You're out. 
you're a cold product and somebody else has already replaced you, whether you knew it or not. Anybody seems to be aware, if, if anybody really has known what's going on in MMA, the opposite of a Sandhagen would be a McGregor. And as good of a job as Connor has done, it doesn't make him infallible to the principle and law that I just spoke about. So Michael Chandler done an interview, said, I'm going to fight Connor McGregor. Now, I love what these two are doing because they don't have a fight. Do you guys know that? Have you guys pieced this together yet? Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler do not have a fight. You've told International Fight Weekend and T-Mobile Arena and, and, and June 29th, you've been told all of these things. Call T-Mobile Arena. Ask them. Call Ticketmaster. Try to get a ticket to it. I mean, I'm just sharing with you. They don't have a fight. They don't have a bout agreement. They don't have a weight class. They don't have round. They don't. They don't have a fight. They don't have licenses within Nevada. They do not have a fight. But Connor went first, and he told the five W's. Who, what, when, why, and where. As long as all five W's are there, you have a story. You have no story without all five W's. Now, the reason I say that is Michael Chandler, very smart, sees what Connor did and then backs him up. It was a lie, but he backed up the lie. So now you have the A corner and the B corner. You got red and blue. You got both principles. That is not something that anyone is likely to then not sign off on, particularly since they don't have anybody else to do it yet, right? Like these guys got to the market at the right time. They got there first. But you got you to gotta, uh, really appreciate what they did there. Chandler didn't know what Connor was going to do. If he would have known what was coming out in that statement, Connor telegraphed it two days in advance. Chandler would have put it out j just to stick it in Connor's ass had he known. In the history of the UFC, Dana has never let anybody do their own press release. Josh Gross and Ariel Helwani ruined relationships over to UFC does their own press releases. That's what I'm here to tell you. Those two don't have a fight. But after this stunt, I would predict for you that they do have one. And when, when I bring this to you, the question really does become, why is Connor fighting Michael Chandler? And let me just back it up. Why is Connor fighting? And that's a very reasonable question for me to ask. Would you like to know who else asked Connor that? And it was four years ago, but would you like to know who else asked him that? The guy with the greatest influence in Connor's career, Coach John Kavanaugh, publicly. John Kavanaugh publicly stated that he will not be training Connor McGregor again until Connor can come in to his office and answer one question. And that was going to be the question why are you doing this? Connor said several fights. This was four years ago. Guys, that might have been five years ago. I even remember where I was. This is a random thought off the top of my head. But it was around the time that, that Mike Tyson and Roy Jones fought. Remember that Triller event? So whether that was three, four, five, whatever that was, that's when Coach Kavanaugh said this. You want to know why I bring it up? Because what do you think? It's very hard to put yourself in Connor's shoes. It's very hard to put yourself in a steel cage with the most barbaric and wide-open rule set ever accepted by modern society. In a sport so combative, 
that it is the only sport on the face of the earth that the government has to regulate. I mean, this is one of these things. This does not sound like something that a person that didn't need to do it would do. And it's not about a title. It's not about getting you closer to a title. I don't even see a personal grudge. I know they're going to attempt to say differently. I'm just sharing. Why would he do the fight? And you're, you're going to come down. And I've, I've heard you guys try to answer the question a million times. It was rhetorical when I asked it, at least from your perspective, for the money. But I don't buy that. I don't have an answer. By the way, guys, I, I don't know why Connor's doing it. I guess for a love of the sport. I guess for that attention, I guess for that for that purpose, I get for that identity. This is who I am. I think I think all of those at least play a small role. But it was four days before Connor said he was going to fight Manny Pacquiao. Oh, and by the way, His Highness wants to book that fight. Like that isn't Connor just yapping. And I think it would pay more. There'd be no risk. It'd certainly be easier. It'd certainly be less painful, both in the preparation of, on the body and at the end of the night when you're going into the ER, like what Manny's going to do with these pillows on his head versus what Chandler's going to do. I mean, I'm just sharing with you that I don't think he's fighting him for the money. And there is an outside chance that Connor is fighting Chandler to exhaust whatever that is so he can go and fight Pacquiao. There's an outside chance. I don't know that I believe it. Or he, I think he would just go do the Pacquiao. I, I don't know how much of a bird in the hand he's actually got. But he didn't have one with the UFC either. He could get one, but he didn't have one. Which is why he and Chandler have manufactured this and decided, look, we could be enemies another night. Let's be partners today. Let's strong arm the company and get what it is we're after. So what happens if Connor loses? Because Chandler said, I'm going to beat him and I'm going to end his career. And in this career is very tough talk because when a fighter says that about another guy, he's telling you I'm going to injure him. But that's not what Chandler said. It's not what Chandler said. Chandler just said, I'm going to dominate him. I'm going to beat him. He's going to realize this isn't for him anymore. He had a lot of great memories, a lot of great achievements, even more than I had. But he can't beat me and he can't even come close. And this is going to be the wake-up call that apparently he needs to realize it's time to go do something else. Now, I added a lot of words to Chandler there, but I the verbatim, I'm 100%. My quote wasn't spot on, but I, that message-wise, Michael Chandler tell you, yeah, Chandler just said what I was trying to say. And Chandler is right to a degree. I mean, th there's a number where Connor can't come back. Th there is a fight where it is all over. And he might say, oh, no, I got one more. I got another suit and I got some fancy lines. Bring me out and we can still sell it. I'm still the top draw. He might be. I, I don't know that a loss to Chandler or a dominant loss or any way that you want to do it, I, I don't know that that would take Connor off his perch of top draw. I mean, connor has got all 10 spots, all of them. And he's going to lose one of them in this Chandler fight to himself. But it, but I don't think it'll be number one. Or no, I know it won't be number one, two, three, four, or five. But he he might get a back-end one, right? He got seven, eight, nine, ten as well. He might replace number eight. He might replace number nine. So I'm just saying, even as you start to slide, if, if the only records you're beating are your own records, I, it's one of those spots where 
I really don't know what has held up Connor. We heard Sugar Sean speculate on that a couple of weeks ago. We don't really know what's held up Connor, but it is crystal clear that the desire or the need or the leverage or the motivation is, is wildly different today in 2024 than it was 2015 through 2020. That, that's a very fair and accurate observation. So with a loss to Chandler, what about that would change? And nothing. It's hard enough to get a fight now. Not any easier coming off of a loss. So could it be a career-ending fight? Does Connor have enough goodwill built up to do a situation? Read an interview by Chris Weidman today. He's got one more fight, but he says it's probably going to be my last fight. I mean, I'm just saying. For example, could Connor make that same phone call? Because hey, I want one more. Let me let me just get one more. And they, yeah, all of their top stars, their top draws that have made that that request. They they've respected and honored it for all of them. But you do get a guy with a contract that is so beautiful at times. You gotta have certain projections. It's a it's a meaningful conversation. And I don't think it's a negative one against Connor. By the way, I think it's a compliment to Connor. I think I think if you break down the math that I just laid out, this isn't about titles. There's nothing personal on this. This isn't about contenderships. This isn't easy. All right, this isn't just about fame and a spotlight. You wanna you, you wanna go get locked in there with Michael Chandler? Even if it's for 10 million bucks, do you want? In the spirit of of exposure, for the world to see what would happen to you locked in there with Michael Chandler, then why are you applying that to Conor McGregor? Man, I'm just sharing for you. If those aren't the reasons, and money isn't the reason, then Conor deserves credit because that's a true competitor. That's what that is. That's a hustler and a grifter and a guy that found a way. And hustlers and grifters, by the way, these are survivors. They remember what it was like. They didn't forget, and they want something. I hope Connor tells that story. I want to know what he wants. I'm fascinated by what specifically Connor McGregor wants and why he's fighting Michael Chandler. He's got a podcast, the Joe Rogan Program, and he covered a topic, Leon and Colby. And Joe had made a statement that Colby's trash talk backfired, and Colby didn't fight very good. I tied that into the trash talk. Now, I got to tell you, my freshman year of high school, teacher sends us outside and we're to find a leaf to find a leaf right we're in Oregon there's trees everywhere and leaves come down we got to go find a leaf and we need to write a story about the leaf and there was some kind of requirement I think it needed to be two paragraphs so you're looking at about six seven eight sentences on a leaf so we came inside and the teacher asked us to who would like to read about their leaf. And different people wouldn't. How it's blowing and how it all cracks, how when it gets wet, it's wilty and can bend, whatever it was about the leaf. 
And then at the end of the experiment, the teacher reveals to us that that leaf had nothing to do with the leaf that you just described yourself. That whatever it was that you walked outside and you described the, the leaf, however that was, you were actually talking about yourself. And we all, our jaws struggled. Oh my God, because she was right. That's exactly what it was. So when I see somebody like Rogan talking about a topic like this, a trash talking situation and how it would shut you down, they're, they're talking about themselves. Like I'll, I'll hear fighters that will say, you know, you can't have emotion or they'll judge another fighter. Oh, he's going to lose. He's too emotional. Well, they're describing themselves. If in this situation, trash talking is to work against you, then that's the person is telling you, I, I am personally not mentally tough and focused enough to go in and do what I have to do and making that putting that into a separate bucket than the bucket that I stand in at a press conference. Those two come together. What I did at a press conference on Thursday is going to tie into what I do in a cage on Saturday. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's nothing wrong. I just find it to be a very interesting thing. I can't relate. I don't get it. I've never understood it. And I've heard people say it about me. I've heard people say that you know, Shale would try to get under somebody's skin or Shale would try to get into somebody's head. As though I thought that was going to affect the outcome of the fight. I, I, just, I never understood it. I never did it. As many people as would say that about me or my trash talk, I, I never once did it to get into a guy's head to affect the fight. I never once did it to try to make him emotional to affect the fight. I would have if I was equipped with the information that these tough guys could be so affected by words. I would have done those things. But I had to follow the same thing that Rogan's following when he says this, or the teacher when she had us go outside and write about the leaves. I, I could only write what was inside. I don't know anything about it. There's nothing that somebody could say or ever has said that rattled me one way or the other, fired me up, brought me down, made me compete differently. I, that has never happened. And I say that to you, and maybe I'm looking at the words a little too literal, but Joe Rogan said that he thought Colby's trash talk had backfired. Well, the trash talk is done to try to bring interest to the fight. It's not done to have anything to do with the fight. It is not done, right, right like, like a person does not go to a press conference to talk trash to affect that other guy at all. Not a pre-fight press conference. Now, it's totally different if you're picking a fight versus promoting a fight, but I'm just sharing for you what Joe was talking about was Colby and Leon's pre-fight press conference. And it's so greatly misunderstood. Colby didn't do any of that for himself. He did not show up in the costume for himself. He did not use the lines. He didn't even have the seven layers of hell for himself. He did all of that for the company. And the president of the company, Dana White, came out and said, was it 30% was it guys? Did he say 30% or 300%? Must have been 30%, right? That they felt that right there in that moment, business had exemplified right there in that moment. But Colby didn't do any of that to affect Leon's performance or to affect his own performance. It wasn't to make myself fight harder or to reduce him. None of the psychology of that. It was done purely to show the boss 
that I'm a good team player to create opportunities down the road and to create more money in my back room check on this specific night. There's nothing more complex about it. If Colby wasn't a good team player, he wouldn't have showed up in the costume. He would have showed up the way Leon showed up, with nothing. Wearing nothing, doing nothing, saying nothing. I don't say that to put Leon down. I'm sharing with you where this comes from. These guys that are out there, they're talking to call them trash talkers. However you want to say it, it's not done to influence the fight. And the people that think that it is, are they're all the same kind of person. People that have never fought. Period. And I'm just, I'm sharing that with you because... It, if Rogan's sentiment is the popular sentiment, if you guys saw that and agreed with him or saw it that way, or thought, that really reduces from Colby. It reduces what he's doing. It means he's not going to get the credit that he deserves. I mean, if Rogan thinks that, does Dana think that? Does Dana not understand that Colby went on that stage thinking about himself? None. Thinking about Leon? None. Thinking about Saturday night's athletic competition under the unified rules, none, zero. It was purely for business. Does he not understand that? If he doesn't understand that, then that bonus check isn't there. If he doesn't understand that, then the opportunity to headline another event because you know you can count on a guy to go out and get the word out, it's not there. Colby's going to be missing out on everything that he did. He did nothing up there to affect the fight, and nothing that he did up there did affect the fight. But I also didn't know that the perception by so many, was that it was done to affect the fight. It was done purely as a selfless act that I am the partner you brought in and you entrusted. I'm doing this for you. Is that not known? Is that not understood? It's very, very interesting to me when somebody on the outside looks in and can misunderstand something to such a high level. Saying something about somebody else does not embigger you and strengthen you. Hearing something said about you from somebody else does not motivate or pull you down. It doesn't affect the fight at all. It could affect your actions right there in that moment. That's something known as rage. And people create rage, which generally lasts about 2.1 seconds. Just so you understand. When you feel that absolute rage, about 2.1 seconds. Take that deep breath, calm down. This fight was two days away. Not only was it two, two days away, it was a weight cut away, which is the hardest thing you could possibly do is to beat that scale. That's where all your focus, effort, and energy went. Then it's a whole regrum. Is this like two fights later, right? Whatever's said on Thursday, Saturday is two fights later. I was just surprised there was such a, a large misconception. And if it is, then Colby's not getting the credit that he deserves. He's not even being understood why he's doing those things which is to entertain you and to bring you in and have you hopefully tell somebody else and bring them in. It was a campaign. It was a press conference. You can either appreciate what Colby did. You don't have to. You don't have to appreciate it. But if you think that Leon was on the right side of that, then let's just imagine watching a press conference where we have two guys doing what Leon did. There's no pressure on Leon. There's no, right? I mean, he doesn't have to pack a bag. He doesn't have this planned out. He doesn't have to put the outfit on. Doesn't take him any extra time. Shows up just like this, sits down. That's it. Is that what you want guys to do? Is that, would that have been fun to watch? Would have you watched it if they were doing that? Is that really what you mean? And do you really think that that's the best way to go out and get the best performance? Do you really mean that? Because if a guy like Colby isn't recognized by the organization and he isn't rewarded for it, then don't do it. All guys should see it and they should stop. And we can have a press conference that's nothing more than a table and some microphones and some chairs with talking heads on it that nobody watches. 
We can do that. Eddie Hearn did one earlier today with a guy that allegedly was Anthony Joshua and a guy that allegedly worked in salt mines, right? Like both guys are up there telling their lie, hoping that he gets over. We can do those, but you didn't watch it. You did not watch it. You did not watch Joshua and Francis's press conference. That number is not only audited, it's publicly audited. It's on YouTube right now. It was abysmal. Is abysmal what you want or do you want to entertain? You decide. I don't tell you. You decide. But if you're going to misunderstand something to such a high degree, guys like Colby, what's the point? All right, guys. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And I want to give a shout out to Adam who left a review for me on Apple Podcasts. You want to know what Adam said? He said, I have a busy schedule, but I owe you a five-star review after that road rage story, you legend. Well, thank you, Adam. I appreciate you. And I'm still waiting on my apology for those who raged on the road at me. I got many more stories in the holster, so keep coming back. Until Friday, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.